Hey everybody, it's Jordy here. Welcome to Tech Marketer Live. I wanted to share a recording of a webinar I ran last week, uh, sharing everything in my brain about how to build a webinar lead generation engine uh, for enterprise technology vendors. I think you're going to find this really interesting. I dropped every tip that I could about what has worked when it comes to building repeatable and scalable webinar lead gen programs. Uh, so I hope you enjoy. Here we go. All right. Good afternoon. Good morning to everyone joining us here today. Uh, hopefully everybody's able to get in here. We've got Christine, we've got Joshua, we got Lauren, Adam, uh, Brian. Welcome everybody. We're looking forward to a great session today uh, and to presenting to you. Yeah. Let me skip over here make sure we got everything all set. And I think we're good. Ainsley, we looking good? I'm just going to check in with you. Make sure our producer says we're all good to go. All right, we're good to go. Well, welcome everybody. Again, uh, my name is Jordy Carswell. I'm the CMO here at Actual Tech, and I am excited to have everybody here today and to drop some knowledge and see if we can help everybody to uh, make a little uh, magic happen with webinars and lead gen. So as was mentioned today, our uh, presentation theme is how to build a webinar lead generation engine. And what we're going to talk about is how to do this in a way that uh, is repeatable and scalable and allows you to fill the pipeline or meet your goals and whatever those goals might be. So to begin with, a little bit about me. Uh, again, I'm the CMO here at ATM. Uh, ATM has been around for 10 years, but I have over uh, 20 years of experience in building lead gen and uh, uh, content marketing programs for enterprise tech uh, with a specialty in the last 10 years, uh, seeing as that's what we do here at Actual Tech of what, using a webinars for lead gen. Um, if you'd like to book a time to talk, I threw a link in here uh, or want to connect on LinkedIn, I'd be happy to connect with you and excited to uh, talk shop at any time. Um, and if you'd like a little help with your strategy, uh, talk about how things are going, how you can tweak, uh, or need some advice or just want to vent, <laughs> um, by all means, uh, hit me up here and book a time with me and, and be happy to get together and chat with you. So a little bit about Actual Tech. Most folks probably know us, but just in case, uh, for the last 10 years, we have helped uh, enterprise tech companies, cloud, cybersecurity, data protection, everybody build and leverage uh, lead gen programs using webinars, content syndication, and uh, for those that are in need of content, we've been helping with that as well uh, for over 10 years. But today, we're going to jump right into our agenda. So today, we're going to kind of break this discussion down into a few different uh, sections here. First of all, we're going to talk about the prerequisites for success. So we've seen enough webinar programs over the years for lead gen to know how many um how important it is to start off on the right foot and to cover all your bases before you start and so we're going to talk about that and figure out what those prerequisites are i think there's about three or four of them um, that will ensure you have good success and then next we'll talk about uh, how to turn everything into an engine that is repeatable and scalable and can be used uh, over and over and uh, i'm working on my clip art skills so that's an engine there it occurred to me after the fact that it might not be so easy to see, but anyway, we've added a label for, for your viewing pleasure. Um, additionally, uh, we're going to talk about common mistakes. So where programs fall down, 
why they fall down and how you can avoid that. And then next steps that will be useful in making sure that your program is a success going forward. And then of course we'll draw for a prize because that's something we love to do here as well. So there's a fair bit of ground we're going to cover today. Fair warning. Um, please don't worry about trying to keep up uh, with all each of the slides. We'll be sending the deck out afterward to everybody. But um, if you stick with us today, you'll get some context around it and figure out uh, how you can apply it. So what makes webinars a perfect lead gen channel? Well, that's a great question. There's a lot of ways you can go um, when building lead gen, but here's the big one. First of all, it's how audiences like to learn. So we recently did a survey of um, cybersecurity professionals like CISOs and directors of security, that kind of thing. And we asked them how they like to find out about new solutions. And ranked number one was webinars. So that might seem like it's out of date or uh, maybe the webinars aren't the most exciting channel, et cetera, et cetera, but it's still what audiences rely on to get the channel they rely on to get them up to speed uh, on what's new and to solve problems. And so the, you're meeting them where they are, which is a huge advantage if you're uh, looking for a channel to use for lead gen. Next up, webinars give you engagement stats that you can't get anywhere else. Um, you get poll response activity, you know, right down to the registrant level on your report afterward. You get uh, to know how long somebody stuck in there with you. Um, you get to see how attentive they were, if they were off in another tab, all that kind of stuff. I know nobody's doing that right now, I'm sure, but um, please stay with us. And also you get your Q&A log. So when they ask questions, when they interact, uh, that information ends up back uh right back to the registrant record, which is something that's really hard to get in other channels. Um, you're not really getting that when you're doing content syndication and things like that. You don't really know uh, how far along people were to consuming the content and they don't have a chance to interact the way they do on webinar programs. Um, you also get opportunities to ask them whatever, uh, you know, hand raising type activities they would like to do. So for instance, we've got uh, an example of what we run on our all of our webinars, we ask people, you know, would you like uh, further information? And then they can raise their hand and indicate how they'd like to be followed up with and what kind of stuff. So all of this comes together to to give you a channel that's really interactive and data rich around engagement, which is what, you know, we're not just looking for names when it comes to lead gen. We want people who are engaged, who want to make progress with us. So move to the next slide here. So this is my attempt at meme making. Please, please go easy. Um, what we find here is how sometimes lead gen can get really complicated, but the beauty of webinars is that uh, they're repeatable. You can run them over and over again. You can reuse the content in a gajillion different ways. Um, there's always opportunity to find new audiences who haven't heard that content before. And so you can repeat the channel there. And each individual event can scale to the moon, really. These platforms now support, you know, as many folks as you can pack the house with. And so um, this is a huge advantage when it comes to quarter after quarter, being able to repeat a channel that's working or a function that's working. So that's kind of the level set. And when it comes to um, webinars too, you tend to see a lot higher uh, conversion rate, conversion rate of like interest to meetings, um, 
Olivia, who's a rock star at Rubrik when it comes to running webinar programs, uh, has noted this, that they end up with a higher uh, conversion rate of, uh, you know, leads who are, are actually engaging with them, ending up on meetings. Uh, they, and it can do it at scale, you know, in their case, 15,000 leads or more per quarter, quarter after quarter that they're consistently driving off of webinars. So huge advantage. So the next thing we'd like to do is ask you a question if we could. Um, it's nice. And again, it's awesome to see everybody. I see so many familiar, familiar names. I see Karen, Emma, um, and well, this is, oh, this is great. Uh, Shanna. Hi, Shanna. So if you'd like to be able to, uh, just let us know, take a moment. If you've run lead gen programs in the past using webinars and if they've been successful, um, I'd like to get an idea before we begin here of your level of comfort with these programs. So take a moment if you could just fill that in. Let us know what your success rate's been. All right. And we'll bump. Oops. The polling results. Did I screw it up? All right. Thank you very much for sharing that. We'll get uh, into things now. This is a gif of us getting ready to rock. <laughs> so looking forward to this next section. So what are those prerequisites, the table stakes in order to succeed with your program? The first one is your goal. What is your goal? So is your goal MQLs? Is it meetings, pipeline opportunities? All of these steps uh, you have to map out in advance. If it is pipe and you're trying to get opportunities meetings for sales and you're trying to figure out, okay, what would our, what would that require of me? Work it backwards. And this is always what we recommend. So for instance, if we need so many dollars in pipe, take a realistic, how many meetings does it usually take you to develop pipeline, uh, you know, qualified pipe, uh, in a certain dollar range. Right. And, and try to use the worst case scenario and work backwards because some of the stuff a marketer won't have control over. So if it takes 50 booked meetings to get X dollars in pipe, then that's great. Then how many hand raisers from a webinar program do you typically need of people who are willing to talk in order to get 50 booked meetings? All right. Let's say we need 150 is a round number. Uh, and to get 150 to raise their hand, how many attendees do we need live? Because uh, live is is a key component of this, right, to get people to to be able to interact with you and to tell you they're interested. So 500 there, that means, you know, a 50% attendance rate, which is often what we see here at Actual Tech. Um, that would be, uh, you know, a thousand registrations for the quarter is what we're going to need. And so kind of working back from that, you can figure out what your goal is and, and what you're going to need to run. The next thing we've got here is uh, your budget and time frame. So let's say here's just some ballpark numbers, right? So budget using, let's say you've got a, a tight target account list um, and you're running at, uh, I don't know, say 60 bucks CPL on average, you know, for a targeted program that has an ABM list and um, maybe a, an ICP list that can sort of give you an idea of what kind of budget you're going to need to work with here. Of course, there's ways to, to run that lower Actual tech has programs that start, you know, 18 bucks if you're willing to go a little wider in your targeting and then multiply that CPL by the conversion rates you need to get to to get you 
to that rate. So if you do have a very tight CPL, um, one thing you might want to consider is the fact that your, um, actually, I'm going to jump back to this point on targeting because I think we skipped it. So let's talk about that. So your, your um, ICP for this, making sure you're clear on who you're trying to get. And then secondly, if it's an ABM motion, so you're making sure you're inviting the accounts that you want to invite to make sure you get the touch points in your ABM program. And then whether or not you're open to greenfield leads. So, you know, leads that are outside of your ICP or outside of your target account list, but there may be opportunity there. We see our clients develop a ton of business and opportunities off of leads that weren't necessarily on their target account list, but it actually generated sales for them. And they were willing to take both the targeting folks, the folks they're targeting, as well as folks that are outside a little bit of that uh, ICP and end up with business. And so we just usually hate to see people exclude those when there could be opportunity there. So jumping back to the budgets, um, the budgets uh, you've got, you know, if you're super tight on the ICP and your filters are really tight, um, it's going to affect how much your program can scale and things like that. So we, it kind of ties into that greenfield. If you're willing to go a little wider, um, you can end up with some opportunity there. So those are sort of the, the prerequisites. You've got uh, your targeting strategy, your goal, right? What your net goal is in terms of whether it's pipe or number of MQLs or whatever it is, your timelines and your budget. Next, we'll get into how to build the engine. So, and we want the engine to go over them. So, all right. So how do we do this? Well, to build, let me just make sure I've got my notes set up here. Um, we wanna get the right message in front of the right people. So this is in the content planning stage, right? So you've got a few things to consider here. You want content that will help people solve problems, right? So if you help them to solve problems, they will view you as a trusted advisor who they are more likely to share their challenges with and hopefully reward you with business. Um, then you want to figure out, are we talking at a decision, technical decision maker level, or are we talking at a business decision maker level? You know, the things that are of concern to the business decision maker um, might be higher level than the technical decision maker wanting to make sure that something will functionally work. Um, the business decision makers wondering if it's going to fit in budget and if it will help them meet their compliance needs, all these types of things that are business problems they're facing. The other thing is to get your SDRs and BDRs on board. So you want to make sure that they understand what program you're running, uh, give them the support, the scripts, the help they need, the context they need to be able to follow up quickly. And they'll have uh, so that they're not dropping the ball when you hand it off to them. And then additionally, ahead of the event, well in advance, figuring out your options uh, for a CTA. So what do you want people to do? And this is kind of a key point because oftentimes there's either no call to action on a lot of webinars. It's just kind of like, well, there's our presentation. Thanks for coming, everyone. But really you want to nail down one strong call to action, but give something we call shortcuts. Shortcuts are basically an option for people who are ready to take action right away to get in touch with you. So you'll notice today in our handout section, there's a meet with Jordy uh, link in there where you can go straight to a booking link and, and book a time to chat, right? So that's what we call a shortcut. You know, give me the ability to do what I want to do 
right away and to, to get right to that action if I'm ready. The next thing is, you know, to make sure that those shortcuts are included throughout your messaging. And we're going to get to that as we go through so that that same call to action comes through at every touch point that you can possibly push it. An additional thing in the planning stage, in the sort of pre-event stage, is decide whether you're going to do a single event or a series. So you might see a, a number of vendors doing series. And here, if you are going to do the series route, this is something we've seen work. You take basically your top of funnel or tofu uh, idea, so something really broad, and you get a bit narrower in session two and then even deeper in session three. And in session three, you could be even, you know, bringing on doing it as a Zoom call where you're bringing on multiple uh, par uh, participants to talk about their problems and dive deeper into things on a more of an ad hoc basis, less rehearsed uh, level. So some things to think about there, too, that, that might make it easier. Um, if you're going to do a series, we recommend daisy chaining the series registration flow. So if you sign up for one event in the series, you're registered for them all, as opposed to sending people individual promos to try and get them to sign up for each one. And then if they're already coming in, let's say event number one in the series has already started, um, getting them into uh, event number two right away. But when they get the confirmation email for event number two or the thank you page, you can just say, hey, if you want to get caught up, here's number one and give them a recording link to help them get caught up on demand. The next thing to think about in the pre-planning stage is to determine uh, timelines. So usually allow two to three weeks minimum to get this planned out, get rock solid content set up, uh, get your you know speaker lined up, all that kind of thing uh, to figure out your messaging and your calls to action. And then promotion wise, we see the best performance on webinar promotions 10 days and closer to the event. Outside of that, it's usually too long. People aren't sure or they don't see the urgency of it. And, you know, as you get really, really close, then that can be, you know, uh, we're just running out of time to, to get it in front of as many people as you can. So focusing on promotional efforts uh, 10 days, uh, 10 days and before, and then a, a decent amount of time to prep. Um, and then line up your channels. So if you're going to, you know, build a, a big push around this across different marketing channels, you're already working in um, email lists, partners, all that kind of thing. Decide if you're going to use a partner to do some of this for you. So um, if you're going to have uh, the entire event hosted by a third party like Actual Tech and they do lead gen for you and then you send folks as well um, from your list and sort of keep everything separate, um, you can do that too. So then there's what we consider the live on demand and evergreen sort of combo level of, of stages. So we talked about planning and prep. So now live event and then the immediate afterward and then evergreen, like making sure this thing gets as many legs as you can give it. So the live event, obviously there's a, a live event phase, duh. Um, second of all, you've got on demand, which we consider to be sort of the immediate two weeks after the event. And then evergreen, which is the same webinar either used entirely again. So you just go back to the beginning and, and start again, or doing simulive on a set schedule, which we'll talk a little bit more about where it looks like a live event, but is pre-recorded. And then repurposing the video um, everywhere you can. 
So next, let's break down each one of these steps or these phases, sorry, to see what's needed for each of them. So don't choke when you see this slide. It's not as bad as it looks. The before. So we've got on the before front a number of things to start planning for. There's the content, speaker selection. Uh, you got to determine how long this is going to be, what you're going to give away for prizes, the copy and graphics, um, the thank you page flow. You know, when people do register and you've got their attention, can you do something else with them? Get them to engage, maybe put a survey there. Uh, then your uh, the copy for your reminder flows, all of that kind of thing. Decide if your presenter is going to be on camera, like my shining face today. Um, or, you know, if you're going to have a demo, uh, your handouts, um, tier two hand raiser options. That's sort of what I was talking about before. It's like, what additional information would you like, or can we send you? And then maybe a white paper case study, demo request, those types of things. We call those tier two hand raiser options. So they're not your main call to action, but they, uh, can be effective in giving you a reason to follow up with people. Um, your shortcuts for letting people book right away with you. Um, where's that going to go? Uh, if there's any special offers, um, upcoming stuff you want to hype, um, partners you want to mention. Um, this is actually a tip, so pro tip. We've got a lot of vendor clients who have partners or alliance programs that they're running. If they include a mention of those partnerships or alliance programs in the webinar, often it's a good reason for the partner to drive traffic to the webinar for them as well. So it can be like another touch point um, to bring in more, more traffic to the webinar from the partners. If you give them a referral link, like actual tech clients get, you know, customer as many customer referral links as they want for partners and other sources. So that can be a great way to boost your promotion legs. Um, and then figuring out how you're going to follow up in advance, which we'll talk a little bit about. So that's sort of the, the before stage. Okay, deep breath. <laughs> Next up, a little more on the on-demand. So the on-demand, again, two weeks after. So where are we going to promote that? Are we going to run it you know, through existing channels that we have access to or we're already paying for traffic, whatever it might be, uh, email lists we're already doing, regular promotions with, sponsorships, et cetera. Are we going to push that to the on-demand? Um, are we going to use the partners like we talked about? Um, what calls to action are we going to include there? Uh, to get people, is it to, you know, sign up to watch the replay? Is it to request the slides? However you want to do that. Um, we will say though, that pushing the people to on-demand recordings, um, email is still king. So you can run retargeting banners and all different kinds of things to get people to express interest in the recording. But really he's sending an email saying, Hey, the, the recording's available, watch now, or, you know, uh, if you missed it, you know, it's still available to watch uh, on demand with full functionality. Um, and then deciding if you're going to do that to your in-house lists with partners or third parties, that kind of thing. Um, then looking at attendees. So are you going to provide the recording in slides or are you going to, you know, provide additional assets there? No shows should be treated differently than attendees. So, you know, that's a little bit different call to action in the messaging there. It's thinking about, are we going to say, you know, sorry, we missed you. You know, we want you to go watch the on demand, or we want you to jump straight to the call to action, which probably is going to be less successful um, if they haven't watched the content yet. 
Um, and then resending it to people who were no-shows and didn't open, you might want to consider, you know, sending another little nudge if you notice that they were no-shows and they didn't open the on-demand email just to sort of give them one more kick at the can. Um, then you might want to feature the on-demand on your website in your resources section, of course, uh, promote to uh, newsletters, your in-house lists, and so forth. Um I did put a note here, just keep your expectations around on-demand a little bit lowish. So we, it, depending on the program, sometimes the the number of folks who are stragglers and come in and watch later is, the, the cliff is quite steep. Um, and so unless you have a really good traffic strategy to push people into watching the on-demand, just sort of waiting for them to take the live link that they met, you know, the live event links that they missed and then filter in later to watch at their convenience is a little bit lower. So you sort of keep those expectations in check in terms of what you'll see. Um, now, Evergreen's kind of a different than on demand. Um, so there are certain platforms like Webinar Jam, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but basically it takes a, a replica recording of your event with a live chat tie-in and makes it seem entirely live. So if the recording's done well, um, on your website, there's a, you know, sign up for the webinar. They click that, then they get to pick multiple times when the webinar is running during the week. So here it's showing, you know, in light blue that the live date, but then the replays could be running on a set schedule, could be every 15 minutes, every hour, um, every once a week. Uh, where it's all fully automated and they go in there um, and they get a chance to pick the time slot that works best for them. And then leads are, you know, filtered through to your CRM from there and you can educate your BDRs on, hey, you know, you might see some live chat coming in from these events of people who are watching like a simulator, a replica event uh, and have questions and think that you're actually presenting live, but they have questions. And so if you can provide your BDRs with a little bit of, oh, we got somebody coming in here who's watching live um, and has questions, then they'll be able to, to work with those leads. Um, you can also run uh, event, rerun events again. So you can have, you know, either recorded event that you run again, or, um, you know, you could even run it live again with other channels and partners. Um, again, feature on your website and then take that recording, make it, you know, even if you have an audio only podcast, that's okay. Use that recording with a little preamble that says, Hey, everybody, this, we just ran a webinar that's really good. We're going to play the audio for you as a podcast episode. Um, it's a great way to get extended legs out of that, um, out of that recording and same thing with uh, YouTube. That's, that's pretty obvious. So. Now, when it comes time to actually run the event itself, you could blow it. Now, hopefully, I'm not blowing it here today. I'm not one of our expert presenters like uh, Jess and our team here at Actual Tech. But um, what does it mean? Well, basically, you've got a number of things you need to figure out. So first of all, good energy, right? So you want to have somebody who's energetic. I love on camera for this, right? I'd like people to be able to see me and to see me having fun and enjoying talk, talking about a topic. Um, that's more engaging to watch than just the slides or in depth by PowerPoint. So, and then good moderation, um, you know, having an, an energetic moderator 
who's ready to, who's excited about the topic and is looking forward to sharing it with you. Um, next, we talk about framing the problem and solution and call to action. So level setting by explaining the problem, and this is sort of a good formula, explaining the problem, how is the problem currently handled? How are people usually solving that problem? And why does that suck? Or why does there need to be a better way? Then showing them a better way, how you do it, and then a call to action for them to learn more or get in touch with you to, to see how it could work for them. So how it's currently handled, or sorry, what the problem is, how it's currently handled, why that sucks, and the better there must be a better way. Um, which of course everyone's solution has a better way of doing taking care of the particular problem. So that sort of framing is really powerful, um, including stories, case studies, sprinkling in industry quotes from folks in your industry that help frame the problem or talk about the challenge, uh, mentioning hot trends, maybe myth busting, doing things that are a little different as part of, of your presentation to mix it up. Um, encouraging comments, uh, feedback and chat. So we'd like to do that now. So as you're, uh, looking at your console, there's a questions tab. Um, if you have thoughts, questions, whatever, you just like to say, hi, go ahead and pop that in there into the chat. Cause we're going to take some questions at the end and, uh, see if we can share some tips. Uh, additionally, strategic polling. So if you've got some questions you want to ask that help you to profile the, uh, the user um, or the viewer and get more data from them, remember that ties back to their registration record in the reporting. And so it's a really powerful way to learn more about them or, you know, get hand raisers like we talked about, you know, what are these items that you'd like to see um, and that kind of thing. Thanks for the, the question, Lauren. That's awesome. Please go ahead and put your questions in and we'll, we'll handle them as we, I'm looking forward to answering them. Uh, additionally, additionally, something we're not doing today, so we're not dog fooding this, but we should be, is uh, dual speakers or an interview style. So it's not just Jordy droning on it, but you've actually got uh, other folks who have different voices, different pictures to show up. Um, reducing the slide count, if you can, and if you do have a lot of slides, keeping it moving. Um, working in a demo that helps you to accomplish the goal that solves the viewer's problems. So instead of your demo just being like, here's our UI, it could be like, you know, here's our UI and here's how, here's how we solve or accomplish a particular task using our tool, right? And here's how easy it was. That's the more powerful kind of demo um, as opposed to just sort of poking around. Um, having seed questions ready. So if Q and a looks like it might be a little light having those ready that reiterate your key points or typical objections that you hear, maybe you could use those. Um, and then a strong CTA. So making sure that you're, you know, you've got your meet with me type requests in there and those are coming in. Um, those will be uh, really good to use there as well. Okay. Hello so, and welcome to Rethinking Security. Let's talk at energy. Cloud this is Jess. Speed. Today's exciting webinar is sponsored by Sysdig and produced by Actual Tech Media. My name is Jess Steinbach. I'm with Actual Tech Media, and I am so happy to be your moderator for this conversation today because we get to be part of this really cool format. It's just a little different from what we normally do. So if you've attended a webinar with us before, you know that normally all of our speakers are in separate rooms chatting virtually. But today, the Sysdig crew is inviting us to pull up a chair and join them in a roundtable discussion with some of their leading 
experts. These incredible speakers who we're going to bring out in just a moment here are going to lead us through an in-depth discussion about the rapidly evolving threats to your cloud environments. And, and this is the really great part, we won't just leave you with the threats, we'll dig into the cutting edge solutions that can help your organization in this complex and ever-changing world. I cannot wait to get started. I know you are all as excited as I am to join in this conversation. So I'm going to just zip through a few of the important housekeeping points that will help you get the most out of our time here together today. All right, so hopefully that played for everybody okay. And what we were trying to show there, what energy looks like. So this is, uh, Jess from our team, who's a rock star when it comes to moderation on uh, our client events, um, she does an awesome job of bringing the heat, bringing some energy, making things lively. Um, and that kind of energy is infectious. It comes along to, comes across to the audience. They want to perk up and go, hey, this is different than just, you know, somebody sounds like a conference call operator, right? So a little more, little more action. Okay. So post-event, let's talk about this. So not waiting until the webinar is over to go, oh, we need to message these folks or we need a strategy of what we're going to do with these things. So first thing, to, you know, get the recording and the reporting as soon as you can. Like at Actual Tech, I think we get it within like hours to our clients to get the recording and the reporting out there so that you can action it. Um, second of all, load your comms like, you know, for your thanks for attending or thanks for registering. Uh, sorry, we missed you. Get that all pre-built ahead of time, then include options for people to just get in touch with you right away um, if they, uh, to help with that. You know, if you've got other things that you want to build um, to get people to do afterward, like preload them, get them your drips, your surveys, your other helpful assets, all the, the sort of post-webinar follow-up tools, um, have them ready in advance. Um, prioritize short cutters and hand raisers. So if somebody says, yeah, I'd like a, you know, you got 250 people on a webinar and the, uh, you know, certain number of them, say 50 of them put up their hand saying they want a case study or they want a demo or whatever, like fast track those folks, you know, like pull them out of the, the, uh, the sequences that you might have and get them over to SDRs like right away. Um, it's amazing how often a vendor will get folks who are like ready to talk and they just can't get anybody to follow up on it. So it's like a good problem to have, but it does happen to make sure to prioritize those folks and then kick off your on-demand program after that. Okay, let's get to common mistakes. Now, we've all done these. I'll admit I've done them, probably still doing them, but we're going to cover them anyway. So first one, mistakes on the approach and the pitch. So here... You got folks who go straight to the sales pitch with no level setting around the problem, right? So we talked about explain the problem. Here's how it's currently handled. Here's why there needs to be a better way because this way sucks. And then, you know, here's the how we do it and how we make magic happen. So that's, you know, doing that before the pitch, the sales part is, is key. Secondly, no incentives or prizes, Right. So people go, well, we don't want people showing up just for a prize. And OK, so you might get one or two people like that, but you get a lot of other people who are going to jump off the bench and actually participate in an event or come and attend live because there's an incentive. It's like a super low cost to high ROI thing to to include a prize. So don't cheap out. <laughs> um, next one, the demo doesn't show any value. 
just basically didn't show how to solve the problem that was level set at the beginning. Um, and the reg page, you know, we've all seen reg pages from hell where they're, you know, gajillion forms fields long. And if there's a obviously there's certain data you need and, and that's fine, but sometimes these things, you know, street address and all the rest of it, it's like, come on, we, we're not mailing you anything. So next area of mistakes is the presenter. Uh, the presenter is often indifferent, bored, doesn't want to be there, uh, whatever that means, which this happens. And part of the challenge with it is that people often pick the most technical presenter. So they're like, okay, we're presenting to technical decision makers. So we want to make sure that we have our best tech uh, head on the webinar who doesn't happen to be the most lively evangelist for the the program right and so where you and then you end up with pretty pretty dry you know or it's the the last thing they want to be doing today is a webinar in between pre-sales calls and stuff like that and it shows right and so we always recommend pick the person with the most energy and have the q a handled by or have the technical person standing by for q a right so if the person who's can bring the heat when can bring the energy isn't uh, super technical, that's fine. Just the the tech resource that's on can listen in and just hop in and help them out. Um, so that can work really well. Um, no prep, no dry run, right? So oftentimes I do webinars all the time. Let me just hop on here and make it go. Um, that sometimes it works and you get lucky and sometimes it doesn't. So some prep is, is always a good through walk through everything and walk through the CTA. So, and that ties into this next point, which is to make sure that the presenter knows what the point of this webinar is, right? So when you're doing your prep and you're planning, be like, Hey, Jerry, you're presenting on the webinar. Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to drive meeting requests out of this webinar. So as you go through your presentation, can you mention a couple of points where it might be valuable to meet with us? And that, and then toward the end, can you also highlight the call to action slide that we're really trying to do uh, to get people to, to take? Um, that goes a long way, right? So whatever the goal is, whether it's, you know, to get a demo uh, into the hands of more people, you're trying to get people to trial or, you're trying to talk about a launch of a new feature or whatever it is, just make sure they know what the topic is. Here's the other thing that is really kind of a common mistake that happens. So no clear CTA, like, and hopefully we can make that clear today that I would like to talk to you. <laughs> I'm not a salesperson here at Actual Tech, but I would like to talk to you about your programs and how we might be able to help you, but also just shoot the breeze and see um, see what areas, how things are working for you, maybe give you some suggestions without obligation. That's what we're trying to do today. Um, but oftentimes on webinars, there is no clear CTA. So again, it's thanks very much, everybody. It's been great talking to you. See you later, right? You want something there. Uh, make that easy. Make it easy for people to do that. So here today, we've included it on some slides. We've put it in the handout section to make it easy for you to get in touch with us. Um, also, this tier two interest gauge that we talked about, right? So maybe you're not ready to meet yet, but if we put up a poll or something like that that says, I'd like a white paper, a demo, a case study, a uh, tech brief, a, you know, ebook, whatever it is, give me some other options to take advantage of it. That shouldn't blur the main CTA too much. 
um, should be pretty, pretty effective if you still do that. And it'll give you a couple other touch points. And then on the follow-up side, you can have no strategy, right? So webinar is over and we haven't thought about what we're going to do with these folks. Um, nobody prepped the BDRs and what's coming. So, you know, we're handing off a lead list to them where it's uploaded and they're just sitting there scrolling through with no context. So, you know, give them a cheat sheet or something that says, Hey, here's the activity we ran. Here's the messaging that was featured on it. Um, here's what people wanted or requested, uh, and just give them as much ammo as you can to help them follow up. And then make sure that you know how to handle, um, your no shows and your attendees differently, because thanks for registering. If somebody attended, isn't as powerful a message as we hope you enjoyed it. Um, here's what we learned, you know, here's some additional, um, action points you can take. It's, it's, it's a different message, um, there. So in review, we've got, we want to align our targeting strategy at the beginning. These are the prerequisites, right? So get your targeting lined up, get your goal in mind, get your budget and your timeline fixed, and then you're ready to rock. And then after that, look at each of the four phases and the pieces that are necessary there. So you've got the beforehand, during the event, intra, um, on demand, and then the evergreen, right? So thinking about each of those and how you can optimize them. Your presenter can make or break you. So make sure you've got somebody with some personality and uh, somebody who wants to be there. Um, it shows and, you know, that can have a huge impact. And then have your uh, follow-up prepped and ready. So again, all of these things will help you to build a program that's repeatable. And it, the focus here is not just random acts of webinar. You want to get one done and under your belt for sure, but you want to be able to do this on a regular basis. And so if you need help, um, that's what we do here at Actual Tech. We handle everything from the lead gen to the hosting to the production. You get Jess, if you'd like her, Keith or Scott Becker, expert moderators. Um, we do, you know, the guaranteed leads, full support for your tough ICPs, and uh, we're there to help you on a on a strategy basis as well. So hopefully that gives you an idea of some of the benefits there. And I think I want to point out something else kind of cool we've got coming up. Um, if you hit the link on this slide, and hopefully the slide link works, um, we've got a live demand gen Zoom workshop coming up where we're going to get. Uh, peers from top vendors uh, to come on and talk about 2024, talk about where they're stuck, talk about solutions, maybe some advice peer to peer, um, basically have a jam session on demand gen and marketing uh, for enterprise tech vendors. So uh, please come on and join us. We'd love to have you and bring your questions, your problems, your gripes, and we'll get it all out and uh, have a good have a good session that we think will be because sometimes there just isn't that many opportunities for people in uh, the tech vendor space to talk to each other. And so um, we're kind of hoping that we'll provide an opportunity for that. And I look forward to hosting that on December 8th. So hit the uh, join link there and you'll be able to go. All right. So next, and again, you can book a time with me here if you'd like to chat further. Um, but we'll let's look at some of these questions and then we'll have our prize draw. So um, Lauren asked, how do you make it clear for the individuals, for individuals to sign up for all ser uh, webinars in a series at once? 
So usually um, we would just put some text above the reg form that just says register for the series. And then um, and maybe in a little footnote underneath, it'll say, uh, if the series has already begun, we'll make sure you get replay links or something like that. And then depending on like our platform at Actual Tech, it allows us to send people to multiple events off of one reg, but usually you can build some kind of automation for that in your um, Marcom platform or your um, landing page platform to send people to multiple events. And it makes it clear. Um, Austin had a question. How do live uh, LinkedIn live events compare to other virtual event platforms? Um, ugh, this is a tough one because most of the LinkedIn live events I've seen, I got to say, we haven't done a ton of them. We've done simul broadcast, like basically what you're seeing here being pushed live to LinkedIn as well as a sort of supplementary channel. Um, and that has worked to pick up a few more viewers. Um, we haven't done the full reg and like doing all of the lead gen and everything directly to the LinkedIn live event. Um, more have been using it as a, as a, like this, this thing, I think, um, the platform we're using today, which, uh, notified it will push out, um, to broadcast channels and on other platforms simultaneously, YouTube and all that kind of thing. So that's the only way we've really run it. Um, Lauren asks, what has been the most effective way for you to, for webinar attendees to get in touch during the event if they feel the itch? So putting the link on multiple slides like we've done here, and I look forward to talking with everybody if they want to hit the, the link that's on the Q&A slide right now. Um, also putting it in the handout section, put it in the chat. So let's say you're using Zoom as your webinar platform. Um, you know, just paste it in a couple times during the discussion so it pops up in people's chat. Um, that can be another way uh, to get them to to scratch that that itch as well. Um, somebody said, "What webcam am I using right now?" It's just the Apple Studio Display uh, webcam, so I'm glad it looks good. That's a very positive thing. Um, another one that came in beforehand that I thought was a good one. What are the best ways to nurture folks who uh, registered for the event, but did not watch the on-demand and are not opening your messages after the event. So you've got registrants who are not doing that. Um, it's a great question. Um, that one, I would try a couple of things to try and wake them up. Um, you're going to, obviously, if they're not opening, then your subject line is going to be the most key thing to wake them up. So I would offer them a survey uh, opportunity. So take a survey, get a gift card, whatever that might be. Maybe that'll wake them up and get them to engage. And then as they fill out the survey at the end, you can be like, by the way, here's the webinar you missed um, and get that on the thank you page for that. Um, worst case, you could, well, a couple other things. You could offer them the next webinar in a series or your next event that's coming up. You could invite them to that. Maybe they'll bite on that one and sign up. Um, worst case, you can drop them into a, near, um, a webinar, uh, sorry, a, a newsletter flow. Um, just get them into your newsletter flow and maybe they'll find something that interests them in the future. But um, I'm a huge survey fan, so I don't know if I mentioned this, but a great opportunity to get people to um, to engage and sign up for things uh, is to, to get give them a small gift card in order to fill in a survey. It just engagement jumps off the chart and it works, works really well. Um, Julie said, you mentioned mixing up the style. What styles do you find are most effective to sustain engagement? 
Um, on those ones, yeah, so there's a few things. You can do the panel, right? That's one one style. So you've got, you know, Octobox or you know, a bunch of people in Windows. It's all great as long as they don't step over one another and no one goes off script. Then um, other style mixes, you can have interview. So like two people with a nice banter going back and forth. That can make things uh, good. You can have your moderator jump in with questions as they come in. So if you've got a good relationship with the moderator, they can hop in and say, hey, oh, Jordy, we got a question here. I just wanted before. And that breaks things up a little bit, um, which is nice. Um, there's also uh, other formats. Um, there's a workshop type format that you could try. So basically, you know, a bunch of predetermined uh, questions that came in. Maybe you came up with them. Maybe they were pre-submitted on a reg form. Uh, people wanted to know how to do something or what what the best approach would be. Um, and you can workshop how to do that together. Um, maybe have two or three people brainstorming on that. Um, other things our team has done, they've played games at certain points. So just to wake people up halfway through, they say, all right, now we're going to have a brief uh, little interactive game or something like that that can get people engaged. So some other ideas to uh, boost engagement. Um, Melissa asked, what are your thoughts on having a panel of speakers who offer similar services on the same webinar? For instance, if we wanted to host a webinar on best marketing practices and we have three reps from marketing agencies, um, would they have any negative reactions to potentially being with the competition? Um, we do this all the, we've done this all the time. Um, one of the, most people are good. Like if you just set the ground rules at the beginning right? Nobody can talk negatively about another. Nobody can, you know, try not to interrupt, um, be a good human, um, you know, listen to others, um, things like that. That can work well. There's putting competitors on there as long as they're not, um, they're not, uh, you know, negative. Nobody likes to watch negativity. So, you know, limiting that, making sure you trust them. And that goes to the pre-call too. see how it goes on the pre-call. How is everybody? Are they are they cool or is there going to be a problem? <laughs> right. And you can kind of figure it out from there. Uh, Shanna asked, um, what are you seeing in terms of live viewers versus on demand? We're finding that even though people register less and less are joining live. Any tips on how to encourage live attendance? Yeah. So our our benchmark, you know, that we kind of shoot for uh, is anywhere from, you know, 43 to 60% live. And we see that on a lot. Um, we find that a lot of vendors are looking for very finite ABM targeting lists or they, their requirements are, sh are shrinking the pool of folks. And so it takes longer to get in touch with those people and get them to show up live and so forth. It takes more time to execute on those types of programs. And so um, I think that we're not particularly seeing a drop in, in live, but we do think that the more difficult the target uh, that you're going after and the accounts you're going after, um, the harder it can be to get people on live and you just might have to accept a little bit lower there, but also, um, you know, things that work to, you can send it, you could incentivize live attendance, um, encourage people to, to come on live uh, for additional prizes or um, things like that. 
Um, but yeah, it's, that's, I think why it's so important to have a good follow-up strategy set up in advance. Um, because you know, there's some folks that you really want to talk to that are just never going to show up live. Um, but they do register because they will watch on demand. So, um, yeah, hopefully that's helpful. Um, Manuel said any tips or tricks to boost registrations at times, it seems like companies get around the number of registrations for every single, uh, webinar. How could you get over that bump? So our, our experience with registrations has been, uh, almost entirely email driven. So just keep inviting people. I, I think we will do sometimes usually it's like two promos maximum per per live event to get people in uh, and signed up. And then after that, the, uh, the registrations piece is a really good reminder flow. Um, so there's a couple ways you can do that. One is, you know, the, we do uh, 24 hours out, one hour out and starting now. Those are the, the pre-event, oh, plus the confirmation that goes out when you originally register. So that's four emails from the system beforehand, reminding them that it's coming up. You probably saw that today. Um, so I think, um, you know, focusing on that, pushing as much, find email partners that can help you push um, registrations. Uh, our clients don't worry about it as much because we look after all of that for them. But the in terms of getting maximum reg, uh, signed up and the attendee piece. But um, if you're doing it by yourself, um, definitely I would just lean on email. Don't don't even waste your time on social media. I mean, you might have to to do a couple of promos to to show a pulse on your corporate social media or whatever. But but definitely lean lean on email as as much as you can. Your own lists, your partners' lists, third parties. Uh, Hannah asked, "What is the best practice for leaving an open chat on?" versus Q and A on the webinar. Um, okay, so this, this is a great question because on the one hand, you could have chat that's not productive uh, for your presentation. So if you're presenting a technical solution and a bunch of people get into a discussion that distracts them from the, the presentation at hand, um, I'm personally, with technical audiences, the last thing you need is somebody piping up and saying, oh yeah, we tried them and it didn't work or we, you know, that kind of stuff. It's just not helpful. The, the downside outweighs the benefit, I think, versus Q&A where people can, you know, put in an answer and you can sort of curate it. Um, so with technical audiences, marketing audiences like today, everybody's super friendly. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but technical audiences, you know, can be a little crabby. So, um, I would be, uh, I would be a little cautious with that. Uh, all right. Let me just make sure I got everybody. I think we did. So that should do it. So now it's time for us to draw a prize winner. And we have a little random prize thing that, that mixes it up for us. So just bear with me here one sec. And the winner is Ennis from Picus Security. Picus, I guess. So congratulations, Ennis. We'll be in touch shortly with your $300 gift card. And we appreciate everybody being on today. 
It's been a great session. And like I said, we'll get out to you with these slides. And please book a time if you'd like to chat and uh, we can talk over your program and how we might be able to help you. And if not, we'll just uh, look forward to having a good visit. So thanks, everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.